Hi, Bill. You look happy. That's because we're about to share another Soul Talks conversation with our friends. It is fun to picture the faces of you who are listening, men and women in ministry and business, small group leaders, counselors, and spiritual directors, students, parents, and grandparents. We're thankful for your love and service to Christ. If you're new to Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier, welcome. We're glad to have you in our community. We invite you into our home as we talk for the next 20 minutes on life, love, and leadership with Jesus. Christy, thanks for praying with me before we began this episode of Soul Talks. Oh, thank you for praying with me, Bill. We're so dependent upon Christ and the leading of His Spirit. We're really just His vessels. It's a blessing to take hold of your hands and to seek the Lord together and dedicate these podcasts to Him and just praying that He speaks through us to our listeners and speaks between the lines. And we're thankful to each of you who are tuning in with us and and joining us prayerfully. Yes, we are. And thank you for those of you that pray for us between podcasts, too. We appreciate that, your participation through prayer. It's really all about intimacy with Jesus. He's the one that leads us into the presence of God, and he's the one that gives us the love and joy and peace that we need and the power to be able to bless and help other people and make a difference in this world. Yes, this is for him and by him, (laughs) definitely. And so we want to continue a conversation that we were having Uh, the other day and thought that our listeners would be helped by it? Well, yeah, I had happened upon an article in the Washington Post. It was written by a man and it caught my attention because the article was something like how fishing freed me from my addiction to pornography. And I thought, "Hmm, that's interesting. (laughs) We've uh, been grateful to learn a lot about freedom from addiction and you've helped quite a few men get free. I think we have better uh, resources than fishing and help people with their addictions. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it caught my attention. So I was reading it. And as I was reading it, I was, well, first I just got mad because the therapist that he saw just gave him horrible advice mm. in, in what to do, secular advice, and, you know, just telling him to do things that were just increasing sin in his life. It wasn't and, she was encouraging him to read something that was rather pornographic? And, yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey is what she said, and to get creative. And it just really made me so very sad. Thankfully, he, I think, fired that therapist and huh. found a new therapist. And But even still, it's not so much about that as it was just realizing when this man turned to pornography, he would have had no clue that this gift of sexuality that God gave him, that he would absolutely lose it totally and completely. He lost his sexual functioning because of pornography. So then when he did connect in a relationship with a woman, he wasn't able to be at all responsive to her. And, you know, I think that so often that's the way Satan's lures are. He tries to lure us with something that's a gift from God that's good, I'm not saying pornography is that, but in terms of our sexuality, you know, the desire to want to connect and intimacy. And that's a great gift that God has given us to draw us to love our spouse. But what you're saying is Satan perverts it. He takes it out of the context of marriage and and authentic intimacy, and he he puts it into a place where we're just seeking to gratify ourselves and get, you know, more and more pleasure and intensity. And we don't realize that it just ends up deadening our soul and even our sexuality. Yeah, it stills the very pleasure that he promises to increase with the sin and the lure. 
Satan is a thief. Yes, he is. And it's so subtle and it's so manipulative. And so I just was feeling so sad, you know, for all the people that get caught by this lure, by this promise of increased pleasure that God's given them, and then they lose the ability to really enjoy the gift that God has given them and intends for them. It was just such an example of that. And then even as I read on in his recovery, I was so thankful for the recovery, but really that line that fishing cured him was kind of a lie. It wasn't the fishing that cured him. It was things like connecting and community. Yeah, getting in a 12-step group. and Yes, where he could receive God's love through people, which is what he really longed for. And then 12 Steps is all about surrendering to God. Mm-hmm. And that's really what he was longing for when he went to the computer, is he was longing for true intimacy. He was missing his wife and his children mm-hmm. who had left, and he found himself alone in a house. And so to distract from the pain, uh, he followed these images and these clicks into, you know, this appearance of a woman and flesh, and it just takes more and more to try to excite and engage and feel the loneliness and the emptiness. And he became that man in a house with the glow of a screen. Yeah, addiction is like that. It's called tolerance. You just need more and more of the substance, the drug, the alcohol, the sexuality, the food, whatever it is that you're doing to get that high. You just keep needing to do more and more of it to get the same effect that you were were getting before. That's right. And so it just imprisons us. It stole his life. It changed his brain chemistry. It affected his hormone levels. He wasn't able to feel compassion or sadness when people were hurt and violated. Right. And that might be confusing to people, but I said earlier that it deadened his soul Mm -hmm. and that any addiction will do that, even shopping until you drop. I mean, it's a much less serious compulsive behavior, but even that can deaden the soul. And what happens is that when we're seeking after something relentlessly and obsessively, it preoccupies our mind and our energies, and we lose the capacity to be emotionally present Mm -hmm. in the moment to God and to friends. And so he found that he had been so overstimulated with the intensity of erotic images and violent sexual images and all that goes along with pornography that he couldn't enjoy the simple pleasures of life. And that was where there was something good for him in fishing, and that actually was a part of his recovery, is that although he's not seeking God and doesn't believe in God, he's out in God's creation. He's Mm -hmm. in nature, and he's beginning to enjoy the quietness of being by a lake and, you know, casting the line in the water and being in beauty. And so the greatness and generosity of God is that through common grace, he's caring for this man who isn't acknowledging Jesus as Lord and isn't seeking God as his father, but still the love and help and healing of God comes through to him, through nature and through people that are good listeners and through some common wisdom that's in the 12 steps and this sort of thing. And so he did get free of his addiction to pornography. Yeah. You know, he had to get up at 4.30 in the morning, you know, when the fish will bite and to go fish. So he was in solitude. And it reminds me of, you know, our mentor, Dallas Willard, saying that We need time and solitude and silence to discover we have a soul. Mm -hmm. And he needed that because he had lost any sense of soul. He had just become totally and completely obsessed with pornography, thinking about it all the time. And then not only had he lost his ability to respond sexually from the pornography, he had stolen that and it had stolen his sleep and, you know, his life. 
such that he even talks about being in line at a fast food restaurant and looking at porn on his phone and then listening to it in his car. And like he just couldn't ever be away from it. And not only did it steal his ability to respond to real relationships and women, but it stole his ability to respond to all capacities of relationship, even a suffering animal. He had no feeling when he saw this horrific abuse of an animal. Yeah, it's just so sad when something like this just takes us out of our capacity for life and for relationship and for appreciating God's presence. So I was thankful for his freedom, and I was also thinking about the message there for us to learn from and the warning there for all of us to make sure that we don't get confused and replace God with his gifts, that we don't Mm -hmm. replace him with his gifts. Yeah, and the greatest gift that we have is our intimacy with the Lord and our intimacy with one another, which is where there's authenticity and vulnerability and mutuality and sharing and experiences in life and in conversations and the highs and the lows, you know, the painful things and the happy things and doing it together. And so we want to be have sensitivity and softness in our hearts. Will you say a little bit more, Bill, about our connection and our relationship with Christ and how community, our connection with other people in Christ, is a part of that? Well, you know, we all need a God with skin on, and that's why the the church is called the body of Christ, or any gathering of Christians is the body of Christ. It's an expression of the person and, and presence and reality of Jesus Christ, and that's the way that we connect with God and know that God is there and he's with us. And so we need someone who listens to us, someone who's happy to see us, who smiles when they see us. And it it reminds us that that God is good and he wants to see us too and be with us and enjoy us. Yeah. And and sometimes we are tempted to isolate when we're struggling. You know, in this case, he was grieving the loss of his family. And so he isolated. He's alone in his house. Maybe he didn't know how to find community or maybe he was ashamed about losing his marriage and didn't know a safe place. And that was one of the other things he gained in this 12-step group is he talked about listening because of all the rules of no crosstalk and how these men that he was in this 12-step group with, he decided were about the best listeners in town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his isolating, he was shutting down his emotions as part of that. And they usually go together. If we're not wanting to feel, in this case, he's not wanting to feel the grief and the feelings of loss and feeling like he's failed at his marriage and can't see his kids as often anymore. And it's just very sad for him and so much to adjust to, but he didn't want to feel that pain. He was overwhelmed with it. And so he didn't want to talk about it. And so he disconnects from people. But of course that just made it worse and and started to perpetuate a depression. And then he's self-medicating by going to the pornography and somebody else might do that with alcohol. And it can feel good for the moment and relaxing or uh, it can kind of take away some of the, the sting on the, the, the pain that we're feeling, but increasingly it just starts to shut down our emotionality. And when you shut down negative feelings, then you lose the positive ones too, because you're just putting a callus over your heart. That's really important because we don't think about that. We think that we can just shut down the negative feelings and still feel the good feelings. Well, because at first it kind of seems like it works to shut those down and, and you can get happy feelings through exciting things. And that's what he was doing. He was stimulating himself with excitement and adrenaline and so forth through the pornography. But that has no end. Uh, I mean, it's it's bad right from the start. 
but part of the badness is it's getting it more and more intense, and that intensity is wearing out his feelers. Mm-hmm. He's like overdoing it, and so then he he loses the capacity to uh, appreciate the quieter, gentler contentments and mm-hmm. uh, happinesses in in life. The, the more subtleties he's getting numb to. Yeah, and I think the other thing is when we do this and we sin, we give in to the temptation or or we it becomes an idol the pursuit you know of the good thing even work you know can become an addiction that then becomes an idol in our life you know we use it to distract from pain and then uh, it breaks our connection with god and so even things like that then i think when we are taking a break from whatever it is we're addicted to and we get some glimpse of what we've done and we feel the need and the longing and the lure to get back to it, to, to deaden the feeling or distract ourselves from the pain or the loneliness, then we feel shame. And then when we feel shame, we're not going to go connect with somebody. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go cycle. talk to somebody about what we're feeling because we don't want them to know that we have this problem. Yeah. And yet the only way to get free of shame is to talk to somebody safe who will listen to you and offer compassion and we'll see the good in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we really need the body of Christ to get free. We need to bring it into the light and into relationship. To discover that even at our worst, even when there, there's sin that needs to be forgiven, that we're still loved, we're still created in God's image, and there's somebody here who, who you know wants to know me, who wants to be in a relationship with me. And then by my trusting that and agreeing with that from God and from my friend, now I, I begin to get pulled out of that shame. It's a real gift that God gives us, his grace through his people. You know, I was thankful that just earlier today, I had been working hard at the computer, and uh, then you said, you know, oh, Bill, you need to see there's a, a moonrise outside. <laughs> and I'm thankful that I set aside my work and took hold of your hand, and we walked outside and started cuddling under the moonrise, the full moon, so pretty, and just realized, you know, God made this for us, and just enjoy that moment. and. And then to stay in in conversation with you and enjoy the evening together. Thank you for that, honey. It was a special moment. And I know your work that you were doing was so important and so loving to the people. And TLC, you were working on preparation for our retreat on spiritual leadership coming up here. It's an important work. It's intense work. You're doing a lot of work and a lot of thinking deeply about organizing what material to include and not include in our teaching there and what experiences. And so I really was grateful that you were able to respond to my invitation to come and view the the glorious moon. It just was so bright and big, shining. And, and, you know, we both were talking about it and enjoying talking about how the moon reflects the brightness of the light of the sun Mm -hmm. in the same way that we want to reflect the brightness of the light of Christ. Well, I'm glad I didn't miss that. There was a day uh, many years ago where I would have missed that because I was pretty much a workaholic. And I know what it means to have my soul begin to be increasingly deadened by overworking. And we can do that even with God's work, you know, Mm -hmm. ministry and church. And uh, we see it all the time, pastors and leaders that we work with. And it's a sad thing when we begin to lose that connection with uh, relationality and prayer and enjoying the moment. And so we need that balance and we need those reminders, those opportunities to step away, even from good things. We do. You know, Sunday I was feeling that temptation. I was having some emotions that weren't comfortable or negative and I didn't want to be feeling them. And you were taking a nap and I 
was tempted just to work to try to distract myself mm. from the emotions. And it was Sunday, and we tried to practice Sabbath keeping on Sunday. And so I just forced myself to not go and start working, even though there were plenty of projects in the house mm-hmm. and things that would have been a pleasant distraction from the negative emotions. And you woke up and you found me, and I decided to just share my feelings with you that I was really struggling, that I was really sad. And you listened to my emotions, and I got free of them. <laughs> and it was really helpful that you were there to listen to me. Well, it was a blessing for me. I just really appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability and just your sharing of your emotions to me. It was connective and felt drawn into the Lord's presence and just really appreciate that. You know, I just think that, you know, what you're doing there is such a a great uh, encouragement for all of us, honey, because you're giving us an example of bringing your emotions, in this case, you know, some, some sadness and really struggling with some thoughts of self and feelings of self-condemnation and so forth. You're bringing that into relationship. And as you're seeking empathy, that's curative for you. It's soothing and it's calming. And see what this sex addict was doing is the exact opposite of that. So also a person that's feeling a need for that glass of wine that becomes a second and maybe even a third, you know, as a way to kind of de-stress from the day and have something to look forward to and and feel better. And, you know, it it starts to become compulsive because we're turning to that instead of to a relationship to deal with how we feel. And so what you're showing us is how when you're vulnerable in a relationship and there's a bond there, that that's what's going to restore your soul. That's how the Lord does it. it. It's through relationship. You know, he restores my soul, we say in Psalm 23. Well, that's because we're making Jesus our shepherd. And we're actually relating with him and we're, we're getting close to him. We're laying down in the green pastures with him. We're going to the still waters with him. And there's intimacy there. There's trust. There's vulnerability. And as we do that, he restores us and he nourishes us. He does. And I needed you to be an ambassador of him to me on Sunday because I was even having a hard time just talking about my emotions with the Lord and praying. I was just really having a hard time even sitting with them enough to pray. But after talking to you, then I was able to. I'd like to share with our listeners one of my favorite abiding prayers from Psalm 63, verse 3. I often pray this for dealing with temptation and use it to help other people with issues like lust and other compulsive behaviors, which we've been talking about. Lord God, we do just come before you and pray the words of David. Your love, O Lord is better than life, anything in this life, even good things. Your love is what's best. But certainly around things that are sinful or things that are distractions, we would pray, oh Lord, your love is better than that. We just release that to you, particularly listeners who are struggling with lust or Know a loved one who is struggling with pornography or another sexual problem. Your love, O Lord, is better than lust. Yes, God, we're connecting with you and renouncing things that are sinful, things that detract from our connection to you and to the people in our life. Thank you, God for your great love to us through Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this episode of Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier. 
You'll find all our podcasts on soulshepherding.org. And while you're there, we hope you'll have fun discovering our other free resources to bless your soul and ministry. On Facebook, you can receive a daily encouraging word or prayer for me. Just friend Bill Galtier or follow Soul Shepherding. Until next time, let's keep in conversation with Christ.